All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups, and we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders, and let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their company, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Cyril Kantaria, who is the co-founder CEO of Savvy. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, Matt. Excited to be on. Yeah, excited to have you on. We're talking about an area that I honestly don't know too much about, which is very exciting. I love when I get to learn about new spaces, especially something as relevant as Savvy. So with that, for people that don't know what Savvy is, um, let's get started with you know what Savvy is and what you're working on. Absolutely. Uh, Savvy is a new kind of employer health insurance for SMBs and startups. Um, 70% of small employers don't offer health benefits today because it's just too complex and expensive. And uh, we're making it affordable and easy for all these employers to offer their employees with health insurance. Okay, so I think the common, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the common narrative uh, for the last, I don't know, decade is that if you're a small business, you know, and, and you're going to work there, they probably can't afford, you know, insurance. So just know you have to get your own insurance. Um, that's like, that's what I heard when I was going into the workforce. Um, I've always thought like small company. Great. I'll have to get my own insurance. How, can you kind of educate me on um, if that's true or not? And also like how you're trying to change that narrative and how savvy like really works. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and I, I think there are a few reasons. First is this idea of kind of an employer intermediate healthcare system. So um, just quick history uh, of this, you know, 80 years ago during World War II, the, the US government essentially enacted wage freezes. And as a concession, they allowed employers to offer health benefits pre-tax. Since then, the system just hasn't changed. And employers in the US are in the middle of their citizens' healthcare. Um, there are all sorts of reasons why this doesn't make sense, but specifically for small employers, um, they're particularly disadvantaged uh, because um, they lack the purchasing power um, from being small, um, and they also don't have full-time benefits managers who can spend all year thinking about employee health benefits. Uh, so I, I think what we're doing, which is different, is we're letting um, employers uh, instead uh, uh, very simply set stipends that their employees can use towards buying any health plan. And um, what this does is it gives small employers three large advantages. Uh, one is um, administrative ease. And so they can offload health benefits, uh, the health benefits administration burden onto us. Um, and, and this allows them to focus, of course, on growing their business. The second is cost savings. So they now have flexibility around how much they can they can contribute. They can set the stipend at whatever they can afford. And this removes these minimum costs um, of, of the existing structure. And, and then finally, it's, it's better for employees, right? So they can now give their employees great selection at, at, at lower prices. 
Um, and of course, this is important because small businesses are trying to compete with larger companies in attracting and, and retaining talent. So you pretty much made it working for a smaller company or a startup like a thousand times more attractive with your with your product, which is extremely powerful. I, I, like, how are you? Are, are companies like flocking to you, or I guess how are you getting distribution? How do you think about spreading the word about Savvy? I mean, I think this is a pretty big leap, you know, for for like a benefit for a small business. So I'm curious, like, how do you get the word out? Yeah, that's that's a, a a great question. Well, to answer your first question, we, we just had a, a record-breaking week in terms of new signups, um, which we're really excited about. But uh, I, I think um, number one, uh, j just we're we're at this very unique point um, in time uh, where there's just a lot more urgency with everything going around um, around people's health, and uh, you know our hearts go out to all of the businesses that are struggling right now and, and all the folks who, ha who who inevitably know someone kind of affected by COVID. And, and so number one, I think um, we're making it very easy right now, um, and I'm trying to get the word out there, for any small business to quickly get access to healthcare. Um, you, you've probably heard about Trump's decision to leave Obamacare exchanges closed. Um, uh, and, and, you know, health insurance works in this, um, in these like limited enrollment periods. Usually it's December and January. What's unique about Savvy is we can of course get businesses this very flexible health benefit very quickly and we can enroll folks year round. So number one, I think right now we're focused just on helping as many folks as we can. Um, and, and second, I think uh, the, the, the beauty of, of, of when small employers give their employees health benefits is of course that they unlock tax benefits. Um, and you know that's uh, around thirty percent. And with the average cost of a family, uh, average cost of fa uh, a family health insurance policy at twenty thousand dollars a year right now, you know that's six thousand dollars. This this is meaningful savings. And so um, I think the other piece here is we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of companies that may be asking their employees to to pay out of pocket. And as soon as they as soon as we can um, help them, uh, they're now generating that thirty percent savings right right. Uh, instantly, um, which is huge. So um, I, I think in, in terms of how we think about distribution right now, we're just focused on, you know, we're, we're trying to be uh, kind of we're a startup, we're, we're trying to be scrappy here. And, and we're just, um, I think we've been getting a lot of organic growth through through referrals and word of mouth and, and um, starting to uh, do a little bit of outbounding as well. Um, as we go forward, I, I, I think what we have, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's important for us to really um, uh, get the get the message out there and and take advantage of, of different channels to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you'll. I mean, one based on everything going on in the world right now, there's like, like I think there's a lot of companies, obviously in industry industries that are not doing very well that are getting slammed, which is which is really sad at this and unfortunate for those businesses. At the same time, I do see like a large crop of companies that are, you know, might be on the other side that are actually in a position to help and 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 contribute. Um, like the company I work for, which is Prenda, which is an education, you're kind of in that same boat too. And I like to see like these companies kind of like stepping up and filling a gap and filling doing their doing their thing, you know. So I I, th I think that's cool. I, I question for you regarding like who is this the best fit for. If, you know, if I started a startup tomorrow, you know, I did Stripe Atlas, so I just started a C Corp, you know, great. Like, I'm going, I got an angel investor, let's say 50,000 bucks. Like, and 
let's say I have a one employee. Would you say I'm a potential customer for you? Or is there like a minimum size you want in a company or a startup? And on the flip side, is there a time that a company is so big, you, they're not really in your demographic anymore? I guess, who's your ideal customer? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, uh, to, to, to answer your first question around, you know, if you're just getting started, absolutely, you're, you're a great fit for us. Um, typically, uh, and we've, we've seen a lot of traction in, in that community, um, especially coming out of Y Combinator, uh, there, there's a large number of startups that um, are in that exact boat where they're just getting started and they need to set up health, um, health insurance for typically the founders and then as they think about hiring employees, um, the, the broader team. Uh, and um, so, so that's kind of a, a, a great example where, um, you know, oftentimes they're, they're, they might be too small for uh, a, a group plan or, or it, they just might not kind of, you know, of course, with, every, with startups, um, simplicity and ease is, is, is key when there are a million things going on. Um, and setting up a, a formal group plan is, 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 is really hard. On top of that, obviously, the costs can be very difficult for, for a, a frugal startup to afford. So that's, we, we've seen a lot of traction in, in that kind of, um, in those, with those companies. And on the other side, you know, most people separate SMBs from startups. The reality is, what we found is these um, different types of businesses are very similar, um, and they often value the same things, which is uh, the ability to, to get um, kind of this administrative administrative burden off of them, um, and the second is uh, you know quick and easy access for uh, their employees um, that's affordable for the employer, um, and so that's I, I'd say the the second type of company is just really any business that's um, under uh, uh, fifty employees um, would I think really find this solution beneficial, and then I think your second point was how do you think about large companies. Uh, we typically, as, as companies scale and they'll, you know, they'll get into the hundreds of employees, um, they'll have full-time uh, HR benefits people on staff. And once you, they get into what's called the large group market, they also have more negotiating leverage around prices. Um, so we're hyper-focused on this the, the smaller employer segment that's sub-100 employees because they're the ones we feel where the current model of health insurance really um, uh, is failing. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, and I like the focus, um, especially based on yeah, YC, based on kind of where you're at in the market. It makes total sense to just get as many small businesses and startups as you can, um, and then you grow with them up to a point. Um, so I'd love to hear. Let's go, you know, let's go out a little bit. Let's go ten years out, you know, fifteen years out. Do you plan on the, well, I'm not even going to put words in your mouth. It's, it's your company. Like what's the big vision and what direction do you plan on going in? Are you going to expand in different verticals, markets? Would just love to hear, you know, what the big plan is. Yeah, that's the vision question is a good one. We, I, I think the way we think about it is like, look, there, we live in this world, which is full of entropy. And uh, especially now, you know, we're seeing it and we like to ground ourselves by just by, by reminding ourselves that only really three things matter for us in our business. Number one, it's um, offer the best selection of health insurance plans. Uh, number two is unlock the lowest prices. And, you know, especially as we get scale and distribution on the platform, um, we can continue to improve around um, both selection and prices. And then, and finally, it's just be the simplest, fastest way for employers to uh, offer health insurance. Um, 
our our vision then is is really to serve every small employer with these three basic things. And you know, it's a huge market out there. We 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 think there's um, a lot of pain with this particular uh, health insurance, this health burden. Um, and and um, I, I think our vision is to really uh, to 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 solve that um, for uh, this this segment. And is there anything that the forward-thinking founders community can do to help push that vision forward? Is there an ask that you have, anything that you need help with that anyone listening might be able to help out with? If you do, we'd love to hear, and the listeners would love to. Yeah, I look, we, we built Savvy for small employers. And uh, as part of that, we'd love to serve the founders and startups in, in your community, um, particularly at this early stage uh, where we're looking for customers who can push our product thinking. And I'd expect that uh, your community would be ideal for that. Um, so I, I, think, I, I think, you know, if, if any founders out there are interested in what we're doing or interested in, in, in getting set up, you know, I, I would ask that they just reach out to us. Um, our email is easy info at gosavvy.com. Um, and we, we'd love to work with, uh, w- with anyone who's, who's listening. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. You're solving a massive problem. I've worked for now multiple companies that are early stage enough where I've had to cover my own health insurance, you know, and I'd love if there were other options out there for every company that's early stage. So I think what you're doing is great. And, um, you know, just best of luck moving forward. Hopefully you get some, you know, customers and, 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 and help from, from the listeners. I just, you know, wish you luck moving forward. Thanks so much, Matt. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Richard McBeef, who is the co-founder, creator of Money Made. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Yeah, good, good. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you on. I, As I was telling you before we started recording, this is a very timely episode as I've been thinking a lot more about investing over the last like six months or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just excited to dive into what you're working on. For people that don't know at all what Money Made is, you know, from, from the basics, what, what is Money Made? You know, I guess, what does it do for, for beginners? Yeah, yeah, of course. So look, quite simply, it's a discovery and comparison site um, for investments. So we have spent the last you know, circa 18 months collating all the key information um, on those uh, investment platforms that, uh, that are in the space and continually pop up um, and have sort of made it, uh, designed it all pretty and, and made it simple to, to navigate through um, those different uh, investment platforms. So it's anything from sort of alternative investment platforms in, you know, in real estate, in gold, in fine art, um, in oil, in, um, in loans. Um, so there's a, there's about sort of 90, 90 plus alternative, uh, uh, investment platforms, um, on money made that you can sort of search through. And then there's also, um, your sort of trading platforms. So your Robin hood M ones, um, of the world. So the, before I dive into some of the details just about investing and just kind of questions that I have about some of the platforms, 
I'd love mm-hmm. to hear just like, what was the reason you wanted to start this? You know, it's, it's such a handy tool and there has to be, you know, a pain or a story behind the founding of, you know, this, this awesome product. Of course. Well, look, I've been, uh, I've been in the sort of fintech space um, specifically for the last five or so years. Um, so working across alternatives um, such as crypto, um, you know, fine art, fractional ownership of fine art, um, and a number of other um, investment platforms. And uh, I broke out and started sort of consulting with these different, um, these in different investment platforms. And as part of the new business strategy, I was obviously sort of searching for these, for these businesses. And, and what I found over the course of time was there was so many that were sort of popping up and so, so much creativity in the market. But uh, it really just was born from a, a growing spreadsheet. Of, uh, of investment platforms that were in the space for me to reach out to and just discuss and talk with. Um, and, and as I said, after about sort of 18 months, I realized that I'd, I'd had thousands of data points across, you know, almost a hundred different platforms and thought this has got to be useful for other people who are, who are looking for investment opportunities, um, you know, that, that meet their needs and requirements. So so that's why we sort of started breaking it out and, and making it into a, an actual platform that, uh, that was easy for users to, to ultimately discover these investments. So let's say you were talking to someone on the earlier side of, you know, their investing, you know, experience, which is pretty much me. Like I've played with Robinhood. I've invested a little bit, invested a little bit in Republic, but like I'm kind of like don't know about, don't know how this stuff works very well. How mm-hmm. would you say someone gets the best use out of your platform is there like a way to find which you know which platforms could deliver the best returns is there filters can you kind of walk through the first time investor or early first time investor how can they navigate your site to find good investing opportunities yeah definitely um and and quite timely um we've recently just uh just rolled out what we're currently referring to as a, as a calculator. Um, it also could be called a questionnaire, um, which simply allows users to come onto Money Made, answer six sort of short multiple choice questions around sort of their risk tolerance, like how important is liquidity? So how, how important is it that you can sort of sell your investment quickly should you need, need the cash? Um, what sort of time frame are you looking at? Are you happy with, you know, five plus years? Um, how important is it that, that these investments, you know, pay out a dividend or interest? So it's sort of like passive income. Um, so you can answer these sort of six questions, um, you know, in, in 30 seconds or so. And that ultimately just collates a group of platforms um, that are most sort of relevant to, to what you've, um, the answers that you've provided. And it, and it sort of displays those. So it just works off exactly what you're looking for um, across those, again, those key, those key sort of metrics. And I, when I go to your site, I see there are, um, this is going to be such a basic question, but I figure out yeah. to ask because like I need to know at some point. So you have your target return, which is, um, you know, I'm looking at, let me just go to the, uh, let's just say uh, real estate. Uh, target yeah. return, 8.7% to 12% for fundrise, yeah. and you got 5% mm-hmm. for concrete. And then, Richard, you know, it, it, there's these target returns. Yep. Can you, so 
again, I know it's a basic question, but is this a return over like a year in yes. average over your investment? What is, can you kind of explain just to a beginner, like what does this yeah. number mean and over what time frame? Of course. So, I mean, as simple as it, as it comes, it's an annual return. Um, so it's net of fees. It's what you expect sort of, or your target, sorry, in your, in your pocket after, um, after a year of, of investing. Um, so it's important with, with wording like this and, and how they, you know, across all platforms, um, investment platforms is, it's sort of not an expected return. It's a target return. So that can be based on like historical data or historical performance, or for a lot of these newer guys, it's, um, it's based on their previous experience in the market. If the platform hasn't been operating for, you know, a full, a full year. But that's sort of what, uh, you know, ultimately what they're targeting to, re targeting to return to investors over the course of 12 months. And let's say you found a new platform, uh, you know, they, they launch, let's say that it's like, it's a hot company, like out of Y Combinator backed by mm -hmm. like the, like the, the credible people, but still new, like still, mm -hmm. still a new platform. Yep. How do you, like who goes ahead and decides what the, uh, the, um, the target return is, or is that yep. something that can't be decided until they do have a return for their first set of investors? Do you know how that works? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, look at, uh, it, it's, it's quite a, um, it's a point that is often like discussed heavily internally at these, um, at these different, uh, at these different businesses, because obviously you can't sort of promote, um, untrue or unrealistic expectations on, on these things. So there's often a number of like terms and conditions that go around these target returns. However, as you said, if a business hasn't been operating for a full 12 months, it's, I mean, it's very standard and, and, and commonplace that the people involved in these businesses, in these investment platforms have been working in the space for years or decades. So they're, ultimately, their sort of target returns are based on extensive experience in the space. So if it was, say, like a farm investment in, in Farm Together, for instance, I think they've been operating for you know, roughly 18 months. Um, it's a longer term horizon, longer term investment with, um, with, a, with an asset class like that. However, the team sort of combined has, you know, 70 or 80 years experience across different sectors within farm, farmland investment. So that's how they can provide at least a, a solid indication of, of what those returns are, are, are targeting. And Another question on navigating the site. Um, I actually don't know if you're you're able to answer this based on potential laws. So just tell me if you're not. But like, if is there a type of investment that if someone was early to investing might be like a better? Um, well, I guess this is this is the quiz. Like you have this quiz where it's like it's almost it, it, you tackle all these tendencies of these people, then it tells yeah. you the perfect uh, the perfect amount. Let's say someone was was high high risk. Let's say they for high risk and they were just investing, you know, like throwaway money, like like money that if they lost, you know, it's 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 fine. Um, yeah. Are you what types of platforms on your site would like pop up there? Is that not necessarily how how it works? And if not, can you kind of like educate me on how to think about that? Yeah, sure. It's I think it's a it's a it's a tough question to answer because again, high risk to like to one investor is very different to another. Um, but, uh, but look, a lot of the, a lot of the platforms specifically in like the loans space, um, you know, lending club, et cetera, um, allow you to essentially sort of invest in 
in much riskier loans with potential like higher upside. Um, whereas there's other platforms on, on the site which are like lower risk but have sort of a, you know, a fixed annual um, interest payment or annual return. Um, you know, for, for instance, the guys like Worthy, um, where you're essentially investing into these, these bonds and they pay out 5% per annum. Um, it's compounded daily. Um, risk is, is, is relatively low, but you're getting this sort of fixed return. So again, it, it really does come down to, to the individual investor. And, and I would encourage anyone who's using money made to at least sort of go through the, uh, the, the calculator or the, the quiz that, um, that we just discussed to get an idea of, of what uh, platforms could be more relevant to them just based on, on their sort of, again, those, those key, those key metrics. Definitely. Um, so a couple more questions for you, uh, more so about like looking forward. So you said you were in fintech um, for, for quite a while before this. You're now obviously still in fintech with, with this product. What are some trends that you've noticed, things that you're, hap- that you're seeing happen in the industry that you think are going to be more relevant over the next five sure. to ten years? Yeah, definitely. Look, and, and again, money from Money Made standpoint, the platform is, you know, in, in this time of, of economic chaos um, and the public markets, you know, stocks and bonds just bleeding, you know, left and right. I think um, the alternative investment space is is really going, going to shine like now and moving forward. And, you know, there's been constantly a lot of discussion um, and in all promotional material on, on all these alternative investment platforms, they talk about sort of portfolio diversification. So ensuring that you're not sort of 100% in anything, um, you know, you're not just putting your monthly savings into a, you know, um, a, a standard sort of index fund or, or just into the public markets. Um, so I think with, with this, this, the current environment and, you know, most of us um, having, having some sort of investment in, in the public markets, we're now taking a step back and sort of realizing that actually we should be diversifying. We should be going into assets that, or investments that aren't correlated with the, the, the public stocks and, um, and bonds. So I can see that certainly from, from now and coming through this crisis, people will be a lot more open um, and, and sort of willing to, to dive into these alternative investment platforms purely as like a safe harbour and, and safeguard against a possible sort of downturn again, you know, within, within the next couple of years, few years, lifetime. Um, so I definitely see, see that coming. And also from like a regulation standpoint, you know, over the last few years, things have really loosened, um, to allow for, you know, new investment opportunities to, to be more sort of easily accessible to, to investors. And I think that the, the trend will, will definitely continue, you know, um, five years ago, it, it just wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a thing where you could invest in in fine arts, you know, it, fractional ownership in fine art from $20 a share in a, in a Monet or a Warhol, um, you know, and, uh, and there's just so much creativity coming out. I've, I've seen platforms now that you can invest and own a, a fraction of racehorses. Um, you can own a fraction of like, uh, you know, of all these different sort of real estate opportunities. So I think that um, as those regulations and rules sort of uh, continue to evolve. It'll just expose everyday investors to, to opportunities that were, you know, historically just reserved for the, 
for the ultra wealthy. Um, good example being, you know, VinoVest, for instance, you know, investing in a portfolio of fine wines. Um, like that was, you know, it's historically been reserved for the, for the affluent and they are opening up the doors for, again, everyday investors to, to uh, invest in an asset class that, again, is highly uncorrelated to the, uh, to, to the stocks, and, stocks and bonds. It's funny you said that. As you were talking, I was going to mention, have you heard of VinoVest? We actually had them on the podcast like three months ago. We, Anthony oh, was brilliant. On the, yeah, they're, yeah, Anthony's a smart dude. Um, so it's funny you mention. Um, two more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Um, for people, I might have some, we'll, we'll see. Fractional ownership. What, what yeah. is fractional stocks? Can you explain what that is and how that's possible and how people are yeah, going definitely. about fractional stuff? Absolutely. And, and look, I was, uh, I'd spent some time as sort of leading the uh, marketing and growth for a company called Masterworks, um, which allows you to own of, um, fractions of specific pieces of artwork. So how that worked was we would uh, acquire a piece of fine art. So it could be a $6 million uh, Monet, a $2 million Andy Warhol, a you know, $1.5 million Banksy, um, and fractional ownership is just a, a case of sort of slicing it up into, into pieces and you are an equity holder in that piece of artwork. So you actually own a piece of the, a, a fraction of the, the artwork. So in order to earn returns, specifically in Masterworks case, when the painting is like resold, um, you'll sort of make whatever the difference is. So if the painting's appreciated, you'll obviously make the difference there. Um, so, so again, like I said, the, the government has made it easier for, for, uh, for companies to allow for this fractional ownership, um, by essentially sort of allowing, allowing these companies to offer mini IPOs. So that's kind of like how it's, how it's seen. It's like a mini IPO that you can come in and, and purchase almost stock in these, in these assets. So there's a very, very new asset class. Um, well, technically it's old, but it's only been active recently in income share agreements and yeah. ISAs. I'm curious, yeah. is that, is it, what do you think about ISAs? Is, are they on your platform or is that like a different realm of investing? It is a new concept. So how do you think about that in regards to uh, money made? Yeah, definitely. And, and as you said, it is, it is new and it's new to me as well. Look, I was, um, I was speaking with the guys at Edley that, uh, that offer this exact, um, you know, investment opportunity just a, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they seem to be making like really, really exciting progress. Um, but, uh, but again, you know, just like so many of these new asset classes, you know, I'm also playing catch up with, you know, every day there seems to be a, a new offering or new new opportunity to invest in an asset class that I just wasn't aware of and, and wouldn't uh, sort of didn't fully understand. And, and I'm constantly learning myself. And, and I think that's what's so sort of exciting about, you know, money made for, for me and, and hopefully for others is that, you know, ultimately it, it takes some serious time to, to really understand how these offerings work and, and you need to dive into the offering memorandums, terms and conditions, a lot of the time just to understand what, what we would see is the basic information that you would need to first know before even considering the investment. Um, so we do a lot of that legwork and, and try to, you know, really display it in, a, in an easy, easy to use and easy to digest way on, on Money Made to allow users to at least sort of 
um, grasp the, the basics of what the investment opportunity is and, and should it sound um, relevant and, and interesting to them, then, you know, off you go and, and explore it further and, and ultimately sort of, you know, invest if it works for you. Yeah, I love that. It's definitely brings the barrier down, it seems like. Um, for my last question, um, mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about the the future and the vision for Money Made. Yep. If you had to look out, you know, 10 years, 15 years, however long out you want, what does your platform look like? What is it doing? And, and what's the big vision? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, look, let's start with sort of like the next 10 days. Um, because we've, we've basically created something that we're really excited about. Um, and we are, we're, we're now integrating with um, like bloggers and financial publications. Um, we've created a widget for, for Money Made. So essentially the experience that you have on moneymade.io um, on these different blogs and these different uh, finance, uh, financial publications you now have the same experience on their site. So the widget is published on their site. So we're getting a lot more exposure now. Um, a lot more people are, are using the, the tool and the platform. Um, and, and that to us is, is really exciting. Um, and you know, for, for us, it's, a, it's probably a case of expanding like out of the, predominantly out of the US. So looking at some other markets um, the feedback and response, you know, certainly here in the, in the U S in these early days from, from our standpoint has been phenomenal. Like the, it's been really positive. People are discovering investment opportunities and, and sort of moving ahead with things that they would have never had access to, or at least known existed before. And that's exciting for us. Um, but a lot of the, the feedback internationally, um, or those that, uh, you know, aren't in the U S have said, look, can we either, can we add our, our investment platform or, you know, is there a way to get some, some platforms up from, from our country? Um, so, so definitely expanding into different markets and, and also, you know, the whole, the whole sort of, uh, idea around money made, um, the name came from the fact that we want to sort of open up opportunities, open your eyes to opportunities to, to, to ultimately, you know, grow the money that you've already made. So whether it's investing or trading. And so we will expand into to other areas to help users, um, you know, really put their money into, into better use than a, you know, a, a super low interest savings account, for instance. There's just other opportunities that you can explore that are, you know, either just as safe or close to that will ultimately earn you sort of, you know, much, much higher return. So that's our ultimate vision um, is to, is to bring it to the world and ultimately just help, uh, you know, help users grow, grow the money that they've made. And what's an ask that you have for the community uh, for the forward thinking founders community? Is there something that we can do to help to make that vision come true and, ma and make it happen for, for the, tr the true final question? Uh, I know I've said that a couple of times, but for the actual <laughs> final question, how, uh, how can we help as a, as a listener community? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, we are always open to and love to hear feedback on the user experience and the site itself. So if you have thoughts on how we can sort of improve, improve that, then like, do not be shy, good, bad or ugly. Um, send that through. We're also, as I said, in the process of very much working with different financial publishers and, and bloggers and excited about getting the, the widget out there. So of course, like if you are a, a finance blogger or, or have a sort of a site, a website that, uh, 
that is relevant for, for the topics that we've discussed and for money made, then, you know, obviously reach out. But, um, but yeah, any, any feedback or thoughts is, you know, is just brilliant. All right. Well, I like what you're working on a lot. I'll probably be a user, a pretty heavy user in the near future, <laughs> just because I, it's, it's something that it's interested me recently and just yeah. congratulations on the game, a great product and best of luck moving forward. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it.